Hi there, and welcome back to the Purpose Map Podcast. I'm your host, Casey Berglund, also founder of Worthy and Well. Sometimes I forget what I'm supposed to say in the intros. Just uh, bear with me here. And today I am so excited to introduce to you Michelle Pelazon, the founder and head witch in charge at Holisticism, an incredible company that integrates mysticism and spiritual wisdom with practical business advice and systems advice and all kinds of beautiful, beautiful things. I am recording this introduction um, a couple weeks after my in-person conversation with Michelle at her kitchen table in LA, California. And I'll be honest, I just re-listened to the entire episode. I listened to it once immediately after we recorded it because I was like, man, I got to go back in there. There are some drops of wisdom, some truth bombs, some incredible teachings that I need for myself. And then listening to it the second time around, I'm like, holy shit, I just keep learning more. So this might be one of those episodes that you replay over and over and over again. Michelle tells this story about going from making $10 an hour as a professional dancer in New York City to working as a celebrity fitness trainer, to fundraising for holisticism, to saying fuck it, to receiving funding from investors and deciding to be her own sugar mama. She shares her journey with money, getting paid and creating the highly successful purpose-driven business and community holisticism. I love holisticism. I've been part of holisticism's community for the last probably year and a half and have just so enjoyed building a relationship with Michelle and building relationships with other folks in her incredible community. And it just continues to deliver, you know? Anyway, at the end of this episode, Michelle goes on to school us about cryptocurrency and witchcraft. So definitely tune in till the very end. This episode will absolutely inspire you as it relates to making money and getting paid. And to be honest, it may also um, trigger you because money is such a sensitive topic, you know? And if that's the case for you, please meet yourself with loving compassion. Notice in your body where you feel that maybe little bit of dysregulation and then tune into your breath, come back and engage with the rest of the episode with, when you're ready. I just have to say that because, man, I remember... Oh, and still to this day, certain money conversations will send me into a state of fight, flight, freeze, you know? So you're not alone if that's the case. And I hope you can really receive this message with an open heart and open ears because there's so much deep, deep wisdom. I loved spending time with Michelle. I arrived at her house and she made me this incredible coffee with, um, I mean, I think it was oat milk, but it tasted like steamed cream. It was so good. And then she put a pinch of coarse salt on top and cinnamon. And I've been drinking my coffee like that ever since. And she also didn't let me leave without her favorite like hair care product. We both have naturally curly hair, as well as a little evil eye for my home to keep the, the energy feeling hot inside. And um, what a generous person she is. I think you're going to love this episode and I can't wait to hear what pops for you as you listen. All right, let's get into it. Thank you for having me at your kitchen table. <laughs> My pleasure. This is such a delight I know. to be with you in person and, and to be able to connect and talk about all things together. It feels like 
um, the dawn of a new time. Like, I feel like, oh, wow, this really means we're emerging from COVID in some sort of substantial way. Yeah. Like, able to have someone over and talk. I know. It's such a gift. It really is. Thank you, vaccines. Thank you, science. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I know. It's such a delight to to meet you in person. I know. Yeah. It's also, I met a couple of people last night. We had an event. Um in in Dennis, a meditation event, and I met a bunch of people who are part of the North Node, who are part of holisticism and have been members for a long time, who I'd never met in person before. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I'd met them a million, like I, I'm like, oh yeah, of course we've met a million times before, but to be IRL was like, ah, but this is weird, but it's not weird because we know each other so well. Yeah. It's like, Wow, this interesting familiarity. Yeah, it took me about 15 minutes to like land and take in that you're this like beautiful, petite, vivacious <laughs> woman. Like you don't know how tall people are when you just see them through a screen. Yeah. And, yeah. and then after that, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I know her. I met her before. She's the same person that I've talked to online. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I think also like there are a lot of people that you meet in person who are not the same. I agree. As they are online. And there is that moment of like, what's this going to be like? Yeah. And that's not because they're necessarily like, you know, cheating you out of the experience of them, but because sometimes it's easier for people to be behind a screen or just like, you know, talk to an anonymous group or I don't know, there's like some sort of energetic protection and it's it's a different type of vulnerability, obviously, to like be in person with people. Totally. As I was walking up your steps, mm-hmm. I had this like little bit of fluttering in my heart, like anxiety, uh, kind of like, how is this going to go? Michelle <laughs> is such a powerhouse, witch, <laughs> business owner, queen. And like, ooh. <laughs> what if she sucks? Yeah, I know. I mean, well, what if I suck in her house? I don't know. You know, and when you don't ever, yeah, you, you don't know that. We're both great. We're both great. <laughs> yes. Um, I can't wait for the listeners, our listeners, you who's listening, um, to hear just a little bit more about holisticism and, and specifically through the lens of oh, what I really want to know is about like your journey with money and getting paid in business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like really open and broad yeah well I was a professional artist right. so I was a dancer and when I graduated from college I got my first job as a professional dancer and I got paid for shows and I got paid ten dollars an hour for rehearsal and that was and I'm 32 so that was like 10 years ago in New York and which is not that long ago to be paying, getting paid $10 an hour. Um, and then we got $50 a show. And so, and that was like a good gig. Like I remember I got the job right before I graduated and being my friends all being like, wow, it's paid. That's, you get paid for rehearsal. That's amazing. So that was like my, re- my relationship to money. Like I grew up in that world of like no one ever had money and like we never asked for anything and like if you asked for something you were being greedy like Mm -hmm. the art came first like how dare you want to get paid for rehearsal like what the audacity that you would put your prioritize yourself 
and eating over over making art, you know? Yeah. When I hear stories like this, especially when people are living in a place like New York or LA, I'm just like, that doesn't add up to me. Like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Like, how is it even legal to get paid $10 for a Uh, rehearsal? Right, right. And like, how did you live? Well, I had like five other jobs. Yeah, I was an SAT tutor. I worked at Lululemon and I became a trainer. And I went back to school to study nutrition while I was, you know, a dancer. And so I was a celebrity trainer. I just like fell into this weird gig and that paid me so much money. I got like, whatever. Um, when I taught a class, I would get $75, you know? Right. And when I taught privates, I would get, they were 125 for the person paying. And I think I got 60% of that. And so I remember being on the sub, being on the subway coming from my apartment in the early, early hours, I'd have to take the early train. Um, so I'd get on the, the train at like 4.15 and I had this little notebook and I would write out all my appointments because I have ADHD. Now I understand. I needed to like see everything in one place. And I would calculate exactly how much I would make from every single hour that I was working and like how I could function basically. Like how was I going, what was that week going to look like? And like, how could I make more money this week? Okay, let me add on two more hours to my eight hour training day. Okay, great. Now I can like have a little bit more flexibility. So if I have to take time off to go to the doctor, I can go do that. and. I don't know. Like it was kind of fun. You know, I like started to like make money and like, and I pretty quickly realized like, wow, if I'm only going to make money for the hours that I'm working and my body is the thing that I'm selling, wow, then I'm absolutely fucked. If I ever get injured, if I ever get pregnant, if like, what am I, what if, what about when I'm old? You know, and for me, like old was like 30, you know, <laughs> like, what about when I can't do this all the time? Uh, what am I going to do? And like, that, what if I get, I'm like so tired. Like, yeah, how can I keep doing this forever? Like, what am I going to do? And I think that was like, I, I, I have such a like sense memory of that, you know, mm-hmm. being cold on the Metro calculating how much money I was going to make every week. Yeah. And it sounds like realizing that it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And yeah. that something could give at any moment and everything would be gone. It, exactly. And at the time I was with someone, I was dating someone who was also a dancer wow. and he made $30,000 a year and he had the best job in New York as a dancer. Um, And I think that like, if I hadn't been so in love with him and like wanted to be with him so badly and like build a life together, I would have been like, well, hopefully I'll just like marry someone rich. But, <laughs> you know, because that's yeah. kind of what my parents just told me. My mom said like, just as easy to fall in love with a rich man as it is to fall in love with a poor man. Yeah. I mean, I had the same sort of messaging. I think so many women have that yeah. running in the background. Yes. I mean, that's why my parents, quote unquote, let me be an artist. So like, well, you're just going to get married. So like, Go do a job you love. And then when you get married, you'll stay at home with your kids. It's fine. Oh like, my God. Yeah, I can you imagine that trajectory? <laughs> like, if, if that some events took place, like, I, I just, like, I can't even no. fathom that for you. <laughs> no shade to anyone who wants of to course. do that. But, of course. Like, that's not, that's not my, I don't think that's in my wiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then what happened after that? <sighs> Man, when did things start to transition or sort of like that moment when you're and maybe it wasn't just a moment where it's like this is not sustainable. And, yeah. You know, like how did things shift and change? 
to the point where, you know, like holisticism began and then. Yeah. It's so funny. I haven't really like thought about it in terms of how my relationship to money changed, but I think you could probably trace it. I got really sick. I actually ended up, so I was like, okay, how can I leverage my way out of this? Like I need to like move upwards. So I kind of like pitched to this place that I work, this boutique fitness studio that I helped start. It's like, let me go open a West Coast studio. And they're like, okay, yeah, you've got all these clients who are in LA and New York. Like that totally makes sense. So I opened a studio when I was 25 in Newport Beach. And like, that was such an interesting learning experience and gave me a lot of like, mm, kind of the ovaries to be like, oh, okay, I know how to do this. Like, I just figured out how to get a lease. I'm paying the rent. I'm cleaning the bathrooms. I'm hiring people. I'm, I'm kind of like managing this entire thing by myself. Cool. Sick. And, um, and then I got really sick. I got strep throat and I couldn't not work because I was in charge. And, and I was like, Oh no, this is still bad. Like I thought I had more responsibility and I thought that this was like good and I was going to get more ownership of this, but it ended up being a really bad business deal. And um, I was like, oh, I need to like leave because I'm never going to get what I want here and I'm getting taken advantage of and I'm just going to like burn myself out. So I wanted a job that was the opposite of something that I was passionate about. It's like, I don't ever want to feel like I have to, like I love my work so much that I would um, cross my own boundaries of what I'm worth to, because I like love it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, you don't want to cross your own, that, what you said that I don't want to cross my own boundaries of what I'm worth because right. I love it. Kind of like when teachers like buy supplies for their classroom because they're like, I know that I shouldn't be paying for this out of my own salary, right. but like I love my job so much and I care about my kids so much that like I'm going to do it. You didn't want to be a martyr. Yes. It's like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So yeah. I got a job in tech and I was like, cause I was like, what do I hate? Like, what can I do? <laughs> Seriously. Would like, I be so unattached from that it's just for the money? Truly. Yeah. Truly. Right. I mean, I don't know an entrepreneur who hasn't hit a point where they kind of dream about that because they usually start their business because it's their baby yeah. and they love it and it's their passion. And then they realize, like, honestly, I find after making a significant amount of money mm-hmm. that it's like, holy shit, my business needs to make double, triple that to pay me what I need. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, whoa, after you yeah. kind of exit the, I think about the tarot, like the fool mm-hmm. archetype, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, oh my God, maybe I do want something that's just for the money. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so tech was that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wanted to learn how business like actually really worked, you know, like I wanted I just felt like there's got to be an answer here. Like, I feel like I need to, that's how I'm going to make money, right? I'm not like, you know, talented. I'm not going to be a singer or a famous dancer or a movie star or an incredible writer. Like, I think if I understand business, like that's how I can, I can like make change in the world too. Yeah. I felt like art, the art I was making like wasn't impactful because I was speaking to so few people as like a modern dance artist. Right. And I just wanted to help more people. And so when I looked around, I was like, who has the biggest impact globally? Well, those are all, they're all businesses, like right. pretty much. So I just need to figure out how that works. And like, then I'll, I don't know, be able to, I'll figure it out after that. So yeah, I started working in tech and like, you know, got paid 50 grand a year to like, I don't know, sit around, be a jail of all trades, make a bunch of content, make a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of money. And then went to another tech job and then another tech job and got these like little incremental bumps. But 
in salary. And I was like, wow, I'm making $65,000 a year. I've made it. You know, I'm like, this is great. But also like, how do people live? Cause yeah, like, exactly. That's still not enough. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot of money, but it's also not a lot of money. And especially in a place like LA, how do you have a child with like, six, like right. that amount of money? Like, yeah. Wow. Um, and then I was running with one of my coworkers who basically did the same job as me one day after work. And she was complaining about, you know, she's like, I need a raise. Like, I'm not making enough money. I have a meeting on XYZ day. And I found out she was making like double or triple what I was making. Like, wow. it was like, it was some crazy bump. And we were basically doing the same job. I was just like, whoa, wow, wow. I didn't even know like that she made that. And then all of a sudden I was looking at people and I was like, what do you make? Like, what do you make? You know, like, yeah. wow, interesting. And, um, yeah, I think that was like really a big threshold moment for me. I was like, oh, I can just like ask for more money. Mm-hmm. And so then when I started freelancing, as I like sort of left the tech world and was doing more consulting, I just would ask for like crazy amounts of money and just to, like see what would happen. Um, and often I would get paid, like often it would work, you know, and I would talk to my white male friends and say, what would you charge for this? Mm-hmm. And then I'd I'd take, I'd ask for half of what they would charge, you know, cause like, they'd be like, oh yeah, seven days of research. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd charge someone like 20 K for that. <laughs> Just no big deal. <laughs> right. Right. Like, what are you talking? Are you on drugs? Like what, what is going on? Um, so yeah, that was like, I think that was the, things started to change. Yeah. Started to change. And then fundraising, fundraising also changes things. There's a few things that you shared that I think are worth shining a light on yeah one like the power of talking about numbers Mm -hmm. especially um especially if you're not a white man Mm -hmm. i mean they probably just do it not thinking about it but like i think it's so easy to hide yeah and sort of shrink or just not be open about salaries Mm -hmm. and about what you're charging for things but it sounds like you were so like expanded by this person you were talking to that made double yeah you were making for the same thing and it yep. was kind of like well shit like why not me yeah and that lit something in you that then made you go out and like experiment yeah I think I had a glass ceiling or a ceiling to like what I thought I could earn and I and for me that was like six figures because I had made half that you yeah. know like as my salary then I was like wow I can't believe I'm getting paid 50k yeah a salary of 50k like wow that's so cool um and again, it's like nothing to sneeze at, but but kind of is like, you know, in the United States to live on that. So I just never thought I would make more than than $100,000. I thought I was like, when I get there, wow, that'll be cool. Maybe I'll be like 45. And now I'm like, oh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and what was it like the first time you just like threw a wild number out there? You know, do you remember that? Horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. I had to do it on email because I like couldn't trust myself to say the number out loud. Um, and to just have them be like, sure, sounds good. Send the contract through. I was like, wow, that's cool. I think I was like doing consulting, copywriting services and I was charging like probably a hundred an hour or something. It wasn't even that crazy, but it was like a part-time job. So I was working 30 hours and um I could work from home and yeah, they were like, okay, sounds good. And then I was like, oh, I should ask for more. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that means. That means that, and then I went and joined the team. Um, everyone, they were, they were all men. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm the cheapest person on this team for sure. 100%. And, and um, probably the smartest. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, definitely the most emotionally intelligent. Yeah, yeah. And the only one who could do what I what I could do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I probably should have asked for more money. But mm. it was a good lesson. Yeah, I mean, the things that we would teach our younger selves, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... I started to also learn that um, some people are not, and there's not enough money in the world to work with them. Mm-hmm. Or there is. It's just like, it's so, it's so, you'd have to ask for so much in order for it to be worthwhile. Right. And there were a couple of jobs that I took where I was like, wow, I'm getting paid so much to do this. Like, I can't turn this down. It's insane. Mm-hmm. It's it's bankrolling my, my business, like that I'm doing this consulting work, but I hate it so much. And I hate working with these people so much, but the number takes the sting out of like how much I hate. Right. It's that like um, hustler archetype, right? That like we all have a price. And yeah. 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 I I think that's worth double clicking because I see both, you know, maybe someone's working in a corporate career that's become quite toxic for them Mm -hmm. and they've got the golden handcuffs on and and keep getting promotions and are making like so much money that it it satisfies the need for security, Mm -hmm. but they're slowly like dying inside. Mm -hmm. And and I'm maybe exaggerating a bit, like maybe an exaggerated example. I don't think it is though. I think that I, I think there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people <laughs> where that is that that uh, the reality. Yeah. Um, and I've also seen like I've had clients too where you know they're they're starting businesses and they're a coaching client and and they're excited to take on. I think at the start you kind of take on a lot of different types of yeah. clients yeah. before you build some boundaries and have some like qualifying criteria. Yeah. Who what's a who's a yes and who's it's like a no. dating. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel like there's so many lessons in that that one client that is just a nightmare mm-hmm. um, that but still it can be hard for people, you know, mm-hmm. it's really hard to fire someone who's paying you mm-hmm. to, to walk away from to like to know what the level of your what your piece is worth, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually I talked to my dad a lot about this because he my dad has ADHD. He was diagnosed um, this year. He's like 65. Mm-hmm. He's run his own business forever, obviously. And um, for like a majority of my life, he just wasn't around because he was working all the time. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about it a lot. He like loves that I have run my own business and won't, does not understand anything about it, but it's just like <laughs> impressed, which yeah, yeah, yeah. we love. And uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool when you can like make a bunch of money at something that your dad <laughs> like can't even understand. Can't he's even like, what are your like, margins? It, like, like, what are your working? Yeah. 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 He's like, trust me on this one. It's, it's, it's awesome. He's like, it's really cool to like have him be proud in that way. Yeah. Um, but he has said so many times, in the last few years, because my partner and I live like a, part- a a very particular life that we've chosen. And um, when my dad asks, like, do you want to go get lunch on a Thursday afternoon? I say, yeah, of course. And I clear my whole schedule so I can go get lunch with him. And I'm 32. If he at, at 32 at his age, when he was working, he never would have been. He wasn't home before eight o'clock at night and he would leave at five in the morning so he just didn't have the flexibility in his life that he was making a ton of money um or probably not even making a ton of money he was just hustling yeah um and he has said many times in the last few months you know there were 
there were there were times that I thought it was worth it, right? Where I was like, okay, but this client will like make me, a, I'll like, it's such a good client. It's gonna be so good for the firm. And it wasn't worth it. It's never worth it. It's yeah. never worth it to work with assholes. Like it always yeah. comes to bite you in the, in the ass somehow, even if you get paid. And like a lot of the time, you don't get paid like from those people. Totally, yeah. It's like that dangling carrot that doesn't even end up providing yes. what you think it's going to. Yes. And not only that, it, it takes so much life force and energy and and literal time yes. and space that that could be going towards someone who's a freaking delight to work with. Exactly. Yeah. Or or back to you, like in yeah, exactly. your family. And or week. going for lunch with your dad. Exactly. On yeah. afternoon. Right, yeah. right. And I think that that's something that like many, many entrepreneurs or self-starters have to sort of balance without knowing the future, right? It's like, oh, is this going to be worth it? Is this going to pay off to like put the work in now to like sort of grin and bear it now? Or yeah, what am I actually like not willing to sacrifice? Mm -hmm. And is that lazy? Is it, I'm not motivated? Is it whatever? I'm short-sighted. Like what, what is it? Um, And grappling with that. Well, what would you say now, 32-year-old you, Mm -hmm. to that previous version who, you know, had that shitty client and then realized like, God, this isn't worth it. Like if you could do it over again, what wisdom would you offer yourself? I'm actually, I think that she handled it really well. You know, I set kind of a a barometer for myself where I was like, all right, if it gets to this, I walk. And that's what happened. And it was great. It was like perfect. And also a really good reminder that like, oh, right. I don't work with assholes. Right. Like, oh, sometimes you need to remember that those assholes exist out in the world. And we get, I have gotten so spoiled. I work with such delightful people and such delightful partners that the minute someone's like somewhat obtuse or, or difficult, I'm like, oh, 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 right. That's how some people do business. Right. And like, I just don't have to deal with them because I, I run my own thing. And I just say, no, thank you. We yeah. don't act like that. And how do you think that no, thank you? Or like, it sounds like even a younger version of you had the boundary in place and then like, didn't push your own, didn't, you know, betray yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like listened and went in the other direction. Yeah. You were at a part in your story where you were talking about raising money. Oh yeah. That was, how hard. did that change? Oh my yeah, God. Relationship with money getting paid. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to ask for help. Mm, and like, yeah. I'm so responsible. I am so responsible. You are so responsible. Um, and so like learn to be so thrifty and so scrappy and just like make it work and work with everything you got. Yeah. And um, the, the like idea of asking for help and and even possibly losing someone else's money. Yeah. Just made me, stressful. It was so stressful for me. And I didn't want it because money to me, any gift always came with some sort of cost, right? There was some in like something wrapped up in it. Like, okay, I'm going to give this to you with the expectation that there's something that you're going to give back to me. And I think that like my sort of like radical independence um, and like rebellious nature that just doesn't like work. That doesn't work well for me. Like I don't want to be indebted to anyone. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to make my own choices. I don't want to be stuck like between a rock and a hard place. Um, I really resonate with that. I think a lot of people do, especially women who 
I don't know, like a lot of our choices are made for us or we are often between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Um, and we don't get to choose really like and actively consent to what we want to do. Um, and speaking like sort of high, high level, but I'll ground it down. Um, I just didn't want to, as I was raising money, I asked, I didn't ask for enough. Mm-hmm. I asked for like, you know, $500,000. And every person I talked to was like, well, you need to raise like at least a million dollars. I was like, I'm going to die a million dollars. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's so much. We're talking to build holisticism. Yeah. Yeah. To right? build the business. Yeah. You, you weren't raising money for a different. No, no. At that time. No, I was, I was raising money to build holisticism and I knew it was a really good idea. And I knew I'd, I'd been part of companies that were stupid that raised a bunch of money, but they were run by men. And yeah. I love when you share. I've heard you speak on different podcasts or just like in your community about like (laughs) realizing that these like CEO dudes that were running these tech companies, like, (laughs) I don't want to say it, but like, like, we're that smart. Like, we're that much smarter than you were. We're smarter than you at all. You know, 100%. I think that you'd be hard pressed to find that many people men who are running companies or women who are running companies who are that much smarter than you yeah there are some out there absolutely who are just like oh you're you're a fucking genius right great you are super fucking smart but most of them are not you know they're average like they're like us or they're maybe a little bit above average and they just like have you know they they like have the chutzpah to just like do the thing yeah and or the privilege to do the thing true right and um, yeah, that's always, that actually is really empowering to me. Every time I remember like, oh, yeah, these idiots can do it. I can do it. Okay. But I think about that about like kids too. What do you mean? I'm like, well, all these people could have kids. I could totally have kids. Yeah. You know, like all these people in the world. <laughs> yes, like everyone over the span of time. Like yes, yes, if yes. they've had children, then like I can totally have children, right? Like, we're not in bubonic plague Europe. Like, I could totally have a kid. Like, COVID-19. Yeah. Plague. <laughs> I could do it. I could, I could probably figure out how to keep this living thing alive and not screw it up so badly. So, like, yeah, you know, that's great. So, same, same when it came to, like, raising money, raising million dollars for. <laughs> right. And, like, I think, like, intellectually, it's like, yeah, this totally makes sense. I could do it. Like, it's a good idea. Anyone who invests in me, like, that's the best investment they're going to make because look at the dedicated person that I am and what I'm able to do with so little. Like, oh, yeah. that's a no-brainer investment. Yeah. And there's a huge part of me that was like, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be um, reliant on anyone but myself. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to answer to anyone but me. And when someone invests in you, they are your boss. They own part of your company. Mm-hmm. And if your business is like so intrinsically tied with your soul and being and your beliefs and of what you want the world to be that can be hard you know and you you are going to have to make comp- compromises and sacrifices compromises are where you meet in the middle sacrifices are where you're giving something away kind of like in a codependent nature and i just didn't want to do that you know like i just i didn't but you went along the path of fundraising for quite some time before yeah. deciding that so what was that turning point like um i got assaulted by an investor oh. and i had so met I then I had that wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back and then I had a meeting where with two people who I really thought were going to get it mm-hmm. and who like were conscious investors and mm-hmm. like they had been hyped up to me to like as the people like they're going to get it yeah and talking to them I was like oh they're the same as everyone 
else. Wow. Like they're the same. They just want to like monetize this important spiritual unknowable thing. And I don't want to do that. Like, I just don't want to do that. And that was my sort of, I was sitting in this kitchen with Ethan and crying. And he was like, I was like, no, I just don't want to do, I don't want to build that company. I just want to shut everything down. I don't want to do this anymore. And he was like, okay, well, you don't have to. Yeah. That's kind of another example of the like no amount of money mm-hmm. can guide me along this path. Like yeah. when you're talking about the, the corporate career, the shitty asshole client, mm-hmm. it sounds like you had that similar sort of awakening moment where it's like no amount of money that these investors could offer me would be worth the sacrifice of my own soul, my own vision, my own desire to like have an impactful, intuitive business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's actually what Ethan asked. He was that like, okay. takes ovaries. It does. It was really scary. And uh, I remember E was like, uh, what if they gave you like a $3 million check tomorrow? Those two people. Like, what if they just wrote to you and they were like, we believe in you. Let's do this. Would you take it? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, that's your answer. Like, yeah. that's your answer. And thankfully, you know, I, I had him and I knew that I could always go back and get a job folding pants at Lululemon if I needed to, you know, like I could, I could figure things out. And so I gave myself two months to like make holisticism profitable and, um, it, and, and it happened. So that was cool. Mm, so, so cool. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier when, in the like investor, when you're talking about investors and how you were like, I'm the best, I'm the greatest in investment because oh, yeah. you bootstrap and you, you know, and, and that really like hit me in a certain way because I think a lot of women actually have not that level of confidence or <laughs> underlying imposter syndrome or something, yeah. especially when it comes to receiving mm-hmm. money. Like receiving a lot of money mm-hmm. would put this like pressure on that's sort of like, am I good enough to be like worth receiving that money? Yeah. And I just thought that was like really beautiful how you were like, no, I'm like the best investment. <laughs> um, and I'm just curious, have has it has it always been that way for you where you've just felt like I believe in this and I believe in myself? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. It, it really took actually Ethan being like, he said that to me. He's like, you are the best investment yeah. that like, uh, he did some like basic math, right? You know, I'd, I'd probably invested a thousand dollars in the holisticism when I first started because that's the leftover that I had. Yeah. And I'd, oh gosh, like probably 30X'd it, right? And he was like, look at what you've done with nothing. Yeah. That's an insane investment, like return on investment. You're not even working full time on this thing. And like, can you imagine what you would do if you were able to like have freedom, if you didn't have constraints? the way that you've had constraints now, like, of course you would do amazing things. You're not going to stop working just be and like, stop like kicking ass because someone gives you money. Like that's going to motivate you to work even harder. And maybe even like kind of from a place of feeling like an imposter, right? Of like, I have to prove that I can do this. And like almost that scarcity of like, I only get this shot. Like I can't squander this shot. I don't get another chance if I don't do this right, which is not necessarily true, but can be true for a lot of people who experience marginalization or have a marginalized identity. Um, we talk about this a lot in investing, but white men, a lot of white men can have a company that absolutely fails, that, that crashes. And 
investors actually want to invest in them more after that because they've had a failure. Mm. And what you learn so much from failure. Of course. And that's great. Yeah. But um, they don't always provide the same sort of like, oh, nuanced perspective to people who are not white men who have had a company fail. It's like, well, you're a woman and your company failed and looks like you had a kid. Were you distracted? Wow. Yeah. Or if you're BIPOC, it's like, well, you know, do you have, do you have the community to really support you? Like, are you really that good at this thing? Like, you know, it's just a different, a d- completely different conversation uh, that's really unfair. And yeah, I don't know. That does, that didn't really answer your question. Oh, I'm but glad like, you went there though. Like, the tangent that I think is important. Yeah. What a great example of like privilege. Yeah, and, exactly. And marginalization, how that impacts uh, new business owners or, yeah. or a business owner who's been in business for a long time, their experience mm-hmm. when it comes to money and getting paid. And sometimes we need to quit. Like sometimes we need to fail. Sometimes we need to say, pack it up. Like yeah. this isn't working anymore. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who don't have the same privilege, mm-hmm. like that, that penultimate privilege, um, they feel like they can't do that mm-hmm. because they won't get an, We won't get another chance. Right. Like, I won't get another chance to prove myself. When if you looked a, cert- a different way and had a different gender identity, mm-hmm. it would be a badge of honor. It would be like, it actually, your stock goes up when you failed. Like that's crazy. Yeah, wow. You know? That's insane. It's, cr- it's, and it's also like, wow, what would I do if that's how I thought? Like how much more bold would I be? Like how, mm. what would my, fa- my failure tolerance would increase? Mm-hmm. Clearly, right? Because- I know that the more I fail, the more I actually, I become more valuable because Mm -hmm. I am acquiring more experience. Totally. And yeah, and we don't always get that. Mm -hmm. We don't always get that, that option. Yeah. That next chance. Yeah. Yeah. I had total chills when you were talking (laughs) about, um, Ethan saying like, look at how you turn this thousand dollars into like $30,000 or whatever it was at the time. And just like, what a gift to have that type of support to give that little spark to, do the damn thing. Like you did it, you had it in you, but it sounds like he really reflected back to you. Yeah. Your gifts in business and showed you how you could be your own sugar mama. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. He really did. And like, he's the best. I mean, he, he also had business experience. He ran a business for 10 years and then got sick. And so I think that probably also contributed to why I didn't want to take money and like sort of sell, sell out. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Not that taking money is a sellout, but for me, it felt like it yeah. would be compromising too much because like his brain cancer, he directly correlates to compromising or sacrificing uh, his beliefs and what he wanted and sort of like letting investors walk over him and, and tell him, no, this is how you're going to run your business. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he was like, I just don't even want to do this anymore. Like I need an exit. I need right. an exit route. And um, then he got a brain tumor. And so he was like, okay, well, I guess this is my um, exit door. Yeah. Kind of sucks. <laughs> Not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But that perspective um, sounds like it was really supportive for you in the the initial stages of holisticism. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, totally. In the first uh, couple of months, you said you gave yourself two months to like make holisticism profitable. And I'm curious what you would say were the like, keys to that success the early success that 
I, I would imagine that that would just help really validate that like, okay, this is a, this is a thing I'm doing. Like what? Yeah. We're in this and I'm my own investor. I was so afraid to ask people for money. Like everyone has everyone for money to ask to get paid for like any product or service. I wanted to just like, you know, radical generosity, give so much, <laughs> give over give, surprise and delight people. And by the time, and I did that when I was building the business and um, then when I gave myself that two months, I was like, well, now I have to ask them to like pay for things really. Like, I'm not just like selling tickets at like, you know, a 10% margin where I'm like barely making whatever to, mm. to an event. Um, now I like really need to like provide a product that I think is valuable and I need to ask them to pay me for it. And I was still totally undervaluing myself. And that was just, I was like, will they, mm. you know, like, will they pay for something? They've gotten so much for me from, for, for free. Like, why would they pay for anything? And then they, they did, you know, like. <laughs> People want to pay you. Like yeah. People want to help you. People want to support you. People want to pay you. You have to give them opportunities to do that. And like, not just one opportunity. Because like, not everything is for everyone. And also like, your business isn't a charity. It's not a GoFundMe account. So like, you can't just be like, oh, beanies. If you like support <laughs> me, buy a beanie. It's like, no, I don't want a beanie. Yeah. I have great hair. I'm not going to hide it under the beanie. Great. As do you. Thank you. So like, you got to give me some more options, kid. Like, give me a jacket. Give me something else. Like, give me something, something to work with because I do want to support you. But like, give me the opportunities to support you. You know? Right. Yeah. And I wasn't giving people the opportunity to support me. Oh, I think a lot of people forget that, that your your business is here to like help solve a problem for someone yes. else. Yes. And by them paying you, you're helping them solve a problem. Yes. You're not just taking their money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I, I like, I don't want, I don't want to like, shit on GoFundMe campaigns or, you know, like Kickstarters that people do for to get their business up and running. Right. Like that a time and a place. Totally a time and a place. And I think sometimes like we miss the force for the treats where we're like, okay, we're gonna do this like crowdfunding campaign and I'm gonna give people dad hats and stickers. <laughs> and it's like, why don't you just start a business? Like yeah. why don't you just offer something for real? Yeah. Like just do it. You know? Like just become you. You can't. I know that sounds really harsh, but like, it's all I'm into it. I'm into it. Like, find a problem that you can solve for people yes. and charge money for it. Yes, and like, guess what? You can always change the problem later if you don't like the product or the service that you're offering. Like, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. You know, like, it's okay. It's okay. You can change it. What was that offering that you sold? You said you were you were selling tickets for like a ten percent margin for events and things, and then you're like, okay, I need to make something. Yeah. Well, I had built software to help wellness practitioners run the back ends of their businesses. Right. Which was an undertaking. And so then I, I basically had this like double-sided marketplace and um, I was giving it away. I was just like asking people to come be on it. And then I was like, okay, it's $9 a month, which was still like just ridiculously low. And we had like 300 people sign up. Wow. Oh, okay, cool. Great. That's cool. And okay. And then people were like, well, now I, I want a little bit more than that. And I was like, okay, well, I can do this for like $29 a month. And they're like, okay. I was like, oh, okay, great. Um, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And then I had this monthly recurring revenue of this product that I'd built. And from there, like kind of like finessed with more like the community wanted of like, how did people want to learn? What did they want to deep dive into? 
and also started to see like, oh, here's a really big problem in the space. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people, these wellness practitioners who are signing up for this software I've built, they actually just don't understand how to run a business. Right. And so, yes, the software is really great, but actually their root problem, the problem that I'm solving for them is not actually solving the problem. It's a Band-Aid. And what I really, if I actually want to be supportive, I need to help them solve the real problem, not just like put a bandaid on top of that problem. So I need to teach them like how to run a business and, and be spiritual and like do both things at the same time. And so that, that was kind of where Holisticism's current iteration came from. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense that you can't just use a software platform without knowing how to run a business and expect that your business is successful because you have a fancy software. Yes. And a lot of tech companies rely on that, right? Mm -hmm. Rely on actually the fact that you're going to, like Squarespace might be a great example, right? That like a lot of people are going to buy a website and try to set up a business, but they don't know how to do it or they aren't ready to do it or they don't know how to code it. And they're going to sit on that website, keep paying $9 a month for it. And just like, it's almost as if it's like a micro movement towards what they want to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a solve almost. It's yeah. Like, well, I'm paying for this thing every month. So of course I'm like investing in my business. Right. But in reality, like you haven't opened it or touched like, it or done anything for what, it. What problems have you solved for people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's like a bit. I don't know, like that's kind of gross to like run that type of business. Yeah. Where you're kind of counting on people failing. Right. Exactly. And just keeping them paying for your platform. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think honestly, this happens a lot with coaching. I'm sure you could speak to Mm -hmm. people sign up. They think that paying for something is going, is the alchemical reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, things will change because I paid for coaching. But it's like, you still have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes them paying for something is like that. Whoa, I'm valuing myself. Yes. I'm investing in myself. And there's this kickstart. Yeah. But then you got to like take some action on yeah. that and like change your own life and and grow your own business mm-hmm. and do the dirty work and, mm-hmm. you know, and have fun with it along the way. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Michelle, you've helped like, I don't know how many incredible, intuitive, spiritual business owners probably like twenty thousand. that's insane i yeah. love that and you're yeah. so gifted at it so good and i i feel like integrating the world of mysticism and spirituality and intuition with business and practicality and like getting your feet wet and and doing what needs to be done to run a business and i guess i'm curious of, about a couple of things i'm curious first hmm, when it comes to like business owners getting paid or getting paid more or making more money. Mm-hmm. What do you see as a theme that sort of like makes that hard for them or blocks them or kinks up the hose of mm-hmm. money flow? Mm. Well, just like not deciding what they, they want their salary to be, like waiting for someone else to tell them what their salary should be or waiting until they get a check in to be like, okay, I'll give myself 30% of this. Like, Mm. no, decide what you, you got to work from the ending. Like work backwards from the ending. What do you want? You want to make $200,000 a year? Okay, great. How much money are you going to have to make in your business to make that happen? Then it becomes more doable. It's just like when you learn that it's like 8K a month to make $100,000 in a year, right? Mm -hmm. 
cool, 8K a month, that's 2K every week. Like that's doable, right? Mm -hmm. That's one coaching package or that's, you know, four classes that cost 500 bucks. Like mm -hmm. that, that's pretty doable to sell, you know? Totally. I, I like like owning and being clear on what it is you want to make and what that actually looks like in a practical way. Yeah. Uh, I find that so many people have resistance to claiming that. Why? 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 <laughs> Why? I don't, I, like, there's some, there's some money belief system in there. It, it's like, I mean, I get to witness when, especially women um, or non-white men mm -hmm. like claim how much money they want to make they yeah. like light up and i'm like why is it so hard to do that like, yeah why is it like a whisper yeah yeah i i'm with you why <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i think that we're just afraid of being greedy you know or selfish yeah. or or um i think that like consumerism and goodness mm. like and spirituality, like all those things are interconnected and also probably just like the puritanical nature of like the United States, not so much Canada necessarily, but um, also power. Like money is power, is related to power in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And when women hold power, that's intimidating to men, right? And if what you want is to have partnership or to have like a Oh Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. Like if honestly, like oh, okay. Let me just say let me just, just like get my thoughts all together because I'm like, well, this is what happens when you're too beautiful too. When you care too much about how you look, what quote unquote too much, right? It's like, well, then you hold power. Like you hold power over. And um, then men tell you you're vapid or people, society tells you you're vapid and you're vain and you don't care about things that are important. And you, of course, you couldn't be a thoughtful, spiritual person because you're very vain. Mm -hmm. And also that means you're going to be a bad mother because you're very selfish, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, and beauty, money, beauty, yeah. money, power. All these things are connected. We know that when we have power as women or uh, people in these types of bodies, right? Feminine presenting bodies, uh, we get punished. We get burned at the stake. We get in trouble. Mm -hmm. We get ostracized. We get called bitches. Yeah. We, no, we get told that we're difficult, that no one's going to care. Like no one will love us. No one's going to care about us. No one's going to stay with us. We're going to die alone. And so we're like, okay, well, I don't want any of that to happen because that seems like the worst thing that could possibly happen. Although, is it the worst thing that could possibly happen? That that's what society tells us, right? You're yeah. going to die an old maid. So, um, and why is that bad? Well, if we go back to the primitive accumulation in the beginning of capitalism in feudal Europe, wait, go there. let's go there. <laughs> when capitalism began and we stopped sharing land and having common space, older women who were not childbearing had homes, had land that they'd, they'd inherited often from their husbands and their husbands weren't around anymore because they died. And so these women needed to be taken care of by their community because that's how we worked. We worked in communities where we would support and take care of each other and we were sharing resources. Mm -hmm. But when land became privatized, we stopped sharing resources in the same way. We still had these people in our communities that we needed to support and take care of, but they weren't giving anything back 
quote unquote productive mm. that could be monetized to the community. So they were really just sucking resource in a way mm -hmm. out of the community. So the, the witch trials and the witch hunts of Europe originated at this time to eradicate elderly women, women who were single, who had power in a way over the community, who were taking resource from the community, but weren't quote unquote giving back labor, literal labor, like right. birthing laborers. Um, and who had something really valuable, which is land. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how do you get that land from them? They kill them off. Right? You call them witches. You, you know what? You do even something even better is you get their whole community to turn on them mm -hmm. and ostracize them. And that's the beginning of all of, like, not the beginning, but it's a huge factor in, like, why women, single women with power is terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying to patriarchy and capitalism and, I don't know, I feel like all these things are connected. I'm not necessarily doing a great job of, like, Oh, you're the true lines, but like you're killing it. It's like we are holding in our subconscious this like vast, vast, vast <laughs> intergenerational, ancestral, cultural trauma, you know, and and not even our subconscious. Look at our yeah. conscious, the, the way I was like so interested in this sort of like subplot of female founders who raised a bunch of money who have been torn down in the media or publicly canceled in the last two years, mm -hmm. like who, you know, they're not great people. They don't seem to have very good business practices, but a lot of men who run companies are doing the same if exactly, not worse. but not getting the, the right. public shame. Exactly. And one person who I've been looking at is Whitney Wolf Heard at Bumble. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why hasn't, why hasn't she gotten canceled? Because like, there's no way she's an angel. She's rich. She has a billion dollar company. You gotta, you gotta crush a few eggs or something like crack a few eggs. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm like, there's no way that she's like, this perfect angel person she might be but um she's probably like a human mm -hmm. so why hasn't she gotten canceled and humble keeps putting through legislation to protect women to like support women to protect women they keep doing these um creating these altruistic experiences or acts where they're like she's literally going in and testifying in con at congress um about revenge porn and how to make that illegal or make that a crime when, you know, a man publishes revenge porn on the internet of someone he's dated. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily like intrinsically connected to what they do at Bumble. It's adjacent, but it's so interesting that for her to hold status as, a, as running a billion dollar company and not be canceled, she has to do all of these good deeds. Yeah. That's what it feels so like. So much effort. Yes. It's like, but I'm good, but we're good, but we're good people. Whereas like, we don't question. But we're going above and beyond. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. And we don't question other billionaires mm -hmm. in the same way, right? Of like, whether they're good or bad. Well, honestly, a lot of the time, their morality does not come into play. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> anyway. So it's, it's no wonder that there's challenge in claiming how much money you want to make as a woman. It's exhausting. It's can exhausting. You, can you imagine how many good deeds you'd have to do in order to make a quarter of a million dollars a year and have people not hate you? I mean, I can imagine because I know how many good deeds I need to do to make up <laughs> much less than that. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yes. You know? Yes. Like, I think about, I don't know, I feel like so much of what you said really hits home. Uh, you know, like I think about even in in dating, the number of times I've been like, oh, I, sh I probably shouldn't wear the lipstick because I don't want to be seen as like just 
beautiful. Like I want someone to see my brain and how smart I'm, you know, and then at some point you're like, fuck this shit. Like I get to be beautiful Mm -hmm. and rich Mm -hmm. and impact my community and have a badass business and like own all this. Yeah. And still there's the like, oh fuck. (laughs) Oh fuck. Backpedaling. Because you can you can totally and completely believe that with every cell in your body. And then you walk outside and someone's like, oh, that bitch. Yeah. Who does she think she is? Or like, yeah, I mean, she's good at what she does, but she kind of is like obsessed with money. Yeah. You know, like it's it's like, you know what? I am fucking obsessed with money (laughs) because money will help me make an impact in the world. And I want to live a certain type of life, you know, Mm -hmm. like, why is that bad? Yeah. Well, what you saying obsessed with money made me think about how with like eating disorders and diet culture, how when we're like consumed with thinking about calories or our body, we like are distracted from all the other injustices in the world and how diet culture is a tool of patriarchy. Yeah. And I kind of think that that applies to money as well, like, and the gender wage gap and all of these things that we're talking about. Like, if we're obsessed with, like, trying to figure out how to make more money, and by the way, like, sex work is not allowed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not allowed um, because women can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, which I, I'm saying that with sarcasm for anyone who can't you all can't I you can't see me but I, but i'm saying it with sarcasm like cool. we're not allowed to do these like all the things that we we can do we're not allowed to do right um yeah like wow making it so 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 difficult for women to like just be cool and earn what they need to earn mm. and like ask for what it's worth ask for what they're worth or not even that you're invaluable so you can't really ask for what you're worth because like that's infinite dollars mm-hmm. infinite bitcoins infinite ethereum like just asking for what we need and then some to be comfortable and safe and cared for. Yeah. Uh, like how that could distract us from all the other things. Yeah. Like it's almost like that's the, the, the if we keep pulling this thread, like what else will we, will we rip down, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. let's keep them distracted with trying to close that gender gap that gender wage gap wow oh my god michelle my mind is being blown right now i love that you like use the example of diet culture of course like where the amount started right not work right yeah. around like raising awareness about diet culture but the the distraction piece and all of these systems at play mm-hmm. yeah that keep women feeling like uh too much or not enough yeah and not asking for the money that they need or deserve to be paid for their offerings or services and business it's like oh it, it's kind of heartbreaking to it is to think about all those and elements. i think similarly with diet culture women are often the people who uphold these standards and systems and they like we, internalize yes we like police ourselves right like yeah men men have a, a, a role of course but like i'm more afraid of what women are gonna think and say about me when or, it comes to money mm-hmm. i actually think that like my male friends like love that I make so much money. Yeah. Like they love that I've got this like badass business mm-hmm. and they're, they're like, get off baller. That's awesome. Yeah. And like my, a lot of my female friends don't mm-hmm. like they, they, they are not like, 
you know, trying to sabotage my business, but they, I know that it's uncomfortable for them. Yeah. And I don't ever want to make my friends uncomfortable. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes up a lot for women of like, well, if I'm going to make money, then like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a lot in common with my friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes back to that sacrificing relationships. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to make money, I'm, I'm going to be too intimidating to attract a yeah. partner. Yeah. In a romantic way, if I'm going to make money, I'm not going to be able to relate with my female friends in the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, what do we... Mm. So the word gossip, originally, Sylvia Federici has an es- excellent essay on the word gossip and how originally it just meant to talk with your friends. Didn't mean, it didn't have the negative connotation that it does with women now. Um, but that is another like tool of patriarchy is to change language and sort of like deform it. So it means something negative when it was not inherently negative. Yeah. And I think about like drama, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's some drama around not having money. Like Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Like we love, we fucking love drama. Like yeah, reality TV. We watch it. We love drama. Yeah, and like we're addicted to it. We always have. Like yeah. that's what the Greek tragedies were, right? It was a way to like experience the feelings, the drama. Like mm-hmm. that's dope. But there's drama when you like don't have enough, or when you're trying to like make some more, and like around money, that can be a very like dramatic tale. And I wonder like how many of us are unconsciously afraid of. Um, if I get rid of that drama in my life, mm-hmm. what do I open up to? There need, It needs to be filled, right? The drama hole needs to be filled, yeah. actually. But like, it will get filled. Oh, and then what will happen? Like, will that gossip, that the drama, the gossip that we're talking about, like, oh, my boss doesn't pay me enough, or I'm not making enough, or blah, blah, blah. Well, will that turn on me? Well, like, I at least I can control the drama here. Yeah, I know. I know this drama. I know this story. I know how to commiserate with this. I know how to gossip about this. But like, what if I don't have that arguing? Yeah, or even anymore? like, will my life just be boring? Yeah, like, it's it's better, like yeah, the being happy, healthy relationship, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, oh, but when I was dating the narcissist, the roller coaster was like, <laughs> yeah, and I told the best story at the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. So, how do we change this? You know, you said earlier, start by claiming how much money you want to make. <laughs> I feel like we've we've expanded that yeah. so far beyond. I think that we need to understand that money is not just energy mm. and there's an energetic at play. Mm, say more. I think Bitcoins and decentralized finance is such a revolution for women to understand and reclaim their relationship to money because we're at this like nascent stage of decentralized finance and NFTs and Bitcoin and tokens and Web3 that like if you're a spiritual person and believe in interdimensionality, you already understand how it works. You understand how it works a lot better than the average finance guy. You really do. Wow. So it's like, it's kind of like energy and belief and like ripple and it and like alternate universes. Like I could say so much about it, but um, I'm like, oh, this is like a whole new yeah, that's totally, totally it is like a whole other episode. Yeah, like, like, but finish your thought. But, yeah. But it it goes back to like belief in value, belief and and co-creation of value. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, let's say we all buy, we create a token, which is 
a type, it's not a coin, but it's a, a type of currency, right? Where we all buy into this token. We say, all right, it's the Michelle and Casey club. And anyone who believes in this club and what we stand for buys a token. Well, as soon as people say, oh yeah, I, I believe in that. I buy into it. The value of that goes up, mm-hmm. not just the token, but also of the value system and of the community. And the more people that believe in it and say, oh, I believe in this thing, the more value and wealth is created for everyone in that community. And then we can use that token or that coin to, of course, like trade for things, right? To pay for things, but we can also use it as a reward system. We can use it as a way to um, denote like special meaning or importance, or even to say, hey, all of these places that we love and support, they now take the Michelle and Casey token. Mm. And so, and you get a 25% discount because when you use our token there, like, because we all believe in the same things, because we're like, we're simpatico, Mm -hmm. we get benefits or we are reinvesting in each other. And like, we understand that. You know that like when you bring attention and energy to a certain thing, it's going to grow, right? Right. And the more people who believe in something, just like when covens get together, the more powerful the spell is. Like, we get that. That's what Bitcoin is. That's what NFTs are. Like, also, I I can just go on and on about this because I think it's so interesting. But like, the coolest thing about NFTs, in my opinion, are smart contracts. And that's basically when you sell something, you're going to continue when you make something and you sell it as an NFT with a smart contract, you continue to get paid for that thing that you've made. Doesn't that make sense? Because think about like with energy, when you make something, mm-hmm. let's say it's a, um, a pop, right? With your hands, your energy is in that thing. Yep. It doesn't go away just because you handed it over to somebody. Yeah, your love, your intention, your labor, yes. your energy, everything. It, it's in the aura of that mm-hmm. thing. And so if someone sells that, turns on and sells that patent five years for $500 when you gave it to them for 10 bucks, well, part of that should be passed back to you. Mm-hmm. Like your energy is still there. Your energy is what makes that thing valuable. Right. In some sort it of- It wouldn't exist without your energy. Exactly. And how, how cool is that? Like, and with smart contracts, we kind of can, like, we are literally reflecting that, right? Like, you get rewarded, you get compensated for your energy, for your, the work that you did and not just the one time that a transaction occurred, mm-hmm. but on a continuing basis as that thing becomes more valuable, which of course incentivizes you to like make, make your work even better, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it, because it's going to increase the value for everything that you make. Yeah. And that also means that anyone who holds what you have, like, they want to support you and make your work better. Yeah, yeah. And everyone kind of rises yes. together. And like we, I, I, you know, we could go on and on. I'm giving like the most rudimentary, probably like horribly butchered. Example. I'm like, oh my gosh, Michelle, I have so much to learn with you. <laughs> yeah. But like I, that, that all of this is, I mean, we can make communities with Web3 that are like, we, we decide what is valuable to us, right? We make basically a community online mm-hmm. and a mini city, a digital city, a virtual city where we make the rules, where we decide what's valuable, where we decide what the societal expectations are. And we aren't, we we don't have to look at the outside world and follow by those rules. We get to create the anti-patriarchy. Yes. And 
and it requires buy-in from everyone. Yeah. And so that's also really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you're not already buying Bitcoin, if you're not, if you're like tapped out from that conversation or anything about decentralized finance, I would just like sleep on it. Mm -hmm. Maybe give it a second thought because I really do think that you're going to be incredibly gifted at it if you're already a spiritual intuitive person like you're just gonna get it you're just gonna get it like you will and there's an awesome opportunity to learn and unlearn our sort of myths around money and wealth Mm -hmm. and accumulation where could people who are like intrigued by this part of the conversation start like Mm -hmm. dip a toe in oh my gosh okay well go follow crypto witch on instagram okay I'm obsessed with her. Um, like she just started this Instagram page and I've, I think I've sent it to like 40 people. I'm like, you got to just follow this girl because she knows what she's talking about. And she's been buying and selling crypto for like five or six years. Yes. And she's just cool and smart. And her name's Crypto Witch. And, <laughs> um, you know, like that conversation around like, well, everyone's stupid. Like if, if these idiots could figure it out, so can I. That's how everyone starts with Bitcoin. Yeah. Everyone is like, I don't understand it. Yeah, this is a whole alternate universe. Even people who are making making Bitcoin and NFTs are like, I don't really get it. Yeah. So just just go follow your curiosity and ask questions and like listen to podcasts if you're embarrassed to ask questions and go on Reddit, honestly. And like you, there are, there are so many amazing resources out there. Just be curious. And also things are changing so quickly mm-hmm. that it's not like, it's not too late. Like you're not behind. If you're listening to this, even in the next three years, you're still probably ahead of most people. Only 5% of people hold cryptocurrency. That's not that many people. Mm-mm. That's not that many people. So like get started now. It's just like investing, you know, like just get started. Yeah. Just get started. It does not matter. Even if you're investing a dollar every month, if you start sooner, it will pay off. So like, why wait? Mm. you know mm-hmm. oh i'm so inspired by you right now i did not know exactly where this conversation was going <laughs> yeah, to go like what are you talking about and, and that's like <laughs> so delightful to be in that space to a certain extent so like, yeah talk about money like and, and and business and you know what let's throw a little crypto there at the end and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank it's you. My that. pleasure. Yes. Any like final words to kind of like wrap up this? Mm-hmm. What haven't I asked you that I should have asked you as it relates to getting paid, being in business, crypto? Oh man. The anti patriarchy. Like where there's so many things. I want to say like, Everyone should check out a- Avalanche. AVAX is the A V A X is the um I'll make sure I little post that in yeah. the comments. Yeah. Um, because they're a really eco-friendly cryptocurrency. And that's some of the like kickback around crypto right now is that to mine it is energetically expensive. Right. But um it's like far less expensive than gold you know energetically using using energy mm-hmm. um not just like spiritually energetically yes um and once the infrastructure is built around cryptocurrency which is like probably in two or three years the amount of energy that we're going to need to use crypto will decrease so substantially that it it's a far better choice for the planet mm-hmm. um 
So in case anyone's like, no, I'm, I'm dismissing that out of pocket because of that reason, mm-hmm. I hear you. And like, there are a lot of solutions. In fact, there's cryptocurrency that is getting created by the tides, um, by like actually out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. There are these mini little computers that sit on the waves. And as the waves move, it mines the crypto. So they're literally just using the power of the ocean and of the sun. So like there are a lot of options. So we're busting that myth, right? Yeah, exactly. And I would definitely check out Avalanche because it's a it's a really great coin. It's actually done phenomenally well um, over the last couple of months. But um, what else have you got on us that I, I should answer? I mean, you haven't yet shared in too much detail and this may be the perfect place to like add this in about just like what's happening with holisticism right now and where people can kind of learn more about your genius as it relates to like money and getting paid and business and crypto i don't talk about getting i don't talk about money that much do you think you just make it (laughs) you know what i mean yeah but you do you do like I talked a little bit about it, but I feel like you're so wise at helping people to set up the system mm-hmm. to support their businesses and businesses yeah. are here to make money. Totally. So you, you like, I feel like you don't directly talk about money very yeah. much yeah. necessarily. Um, and here's an invitation, my dear proje- projector, Thank you. to talk about money directly more. Cause I think it actually is really empowering yeah. for especially like women or non-white men. Who need to hear about it? Thank you. I know. Totally. Yeah. I think my hesitancy comes from uh, like the sort of MLM nature of a lot of people who talk about money on the internet. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like, buy my course to learn more about money so you can be an affluent, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Money boss bit. Yeah. Like, but you're, that's not your like energetic it's fair. print, right? Like that just would never be you, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, it's my deepest fear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but but everything at holisticism helps intuitive entrepreneurs make money. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Everything. Well, yeah, like I think when and in a way, I'm just gonna add mm-hmm. that allows them to be who they are as like spiritual, intuitive, gifted human. Yeah. I was gonna say something kind of out of pocket, which is yeah. why I stopped myself. Just say it. Like when you're just like yourself, you make money. Yeah. Like when you kind of like mm, get over it. Yeah, you know, like, and you have fun. You, you make stop plenty. worrying about being too much or not enough or getting burned at the fucking stake. Yes, like you just show up. Yeah, and you serve people as you are. Yeah, and you have fun. And I, I, that sounds so trite because, like, I've been in that position where you're like, I cannot possibly have fun. I don't have any money. Yeah. Like, I am overdrawn. <laughs> so, like, this is not fucking fun. Yeah, but. I do see a direct relation with the more fun that I have, the more weird I am, the more I just embrace yeah. like what makes me laugh and what I'm interested in. Like that's charming. That's what we're talking about in the North Node this month mm-hmm. and this quarter. And charm is that combination of like absolutely surprising mm-hmm. how you you did not expect someone to say that or do that or be that. And like honest earnestness mm-hmm. where someone's like yeah i just fucking love legos you're like that is so charming yeah i, I would never expect you to like like that is so yeah cute you know i'm like yeah. tell me more about that and it's that's riveting and delightful mm-hmm. and um charm is not like you know suave guy charm charm is like when someone surprisingly opens the door for you mm-hmm. or like you know mm-hmm. compliments you in, a, in an interesting way about i don't know your 
your perfect eyebrows. And you're just like, that's so charming. Um, so I feel like that is all connected to the money thing of like, when you have more fun, like charming people are fun. Yeah. Cause they kind of like, don't care what other people think about them. They're like, I like this weird thing. I love it earnestly. Yeah. Um, I'm supremely uncool about it. And like, that is charming, you know? Totally. It, it's completely true. I had the realization on this trip actually, um, that my favorite clients that I've worked with have come to me through me being on adventures, <laughs> you know, like me yeah. going to Santa Barbara for a wedding where I know two people and I'm like meeting people for the first time and like yeah. bringing the, yeah, the supremely uncool parts <laughs> because they're part of me. Yeah, yeah. There's a ripple effect of that. And, and it, it, it is wild to me to think of how many people I've worked with that have come to me in this like really odd, weird way because mm -hmm. of random adventures I've been on where I feel like most joyous, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really cool. That's kind of like that circling all the way back to land this plane. When we were talking about men who fail, how every time they fail, it like increases their, you know, their, their worth, like yeah. their value. It's like almost like the more you own your supreme uncoolness, like that makes you so much cooler. Totally. And like, you can't, you can't like orchestrate that. Yeah. You, know? you did an Instagram story recently about like things that used to be cool that are, oh God, yeah. Cool. Yeah. and, and, and you also were like, like, I'm cool. I own like, all of those things. I'm like, Michelle, you're like the coolest fucking person I've ever met. That's not true. So yeah, cool and the uncool. <laughs> will make you bank <laughs> alongside crypto. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Okay. Well, everyone go check out Michelle and her amazing team at Holisticism. I'll make sure all of your links, anything else that you want to share, we have posted. And I'm, the best. I'm like so happy to have done this. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're so welcome. Hooey. What an episode. Hey, when I said in the intro that I listened to this a couple of times and probably will many more. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Uh, Michelle is just like sparkling with light and wisdom and knowledge bombs and uh, a big heart, you know, and to integrate this wisdom. I mean, I would say <laughs> let your body lead. Uh, sorry for that. I had to drop that in there. I am feeling like one of the things that really intrigued me about the conversation was learning about crypto, to be honest. And although that mm, seems maybe a bit advanced or something that's a bit scary to some of you listening, um, I think Michelle gave a, gave a great point that we're all kind of idiots when we start. And, uh, you know, I, I find that empowering, frankly. So that's one of the big takeaways. And then I also feel like the piece about experimenting with price points, like just throwing numbers out there and maybe not being so attached to what that means about you and just like noticing how that feels in your body. I feel like that part of her story where she talked about experimenting with charging different amounts of money also really expanded and inspired me. So I guess I invite you to integrate this wisdom in a way that serves you best. Um, I would follow your curiosity. Like when I made that little joke of, <laughs> you're probably tired of hearing me say, let your body lead. Like, is there one thing from this conversation that you're curious about, curious to check out? 
a place to start that will help you to not just make this another podcast episode that you listen to while you're cooking or on your way to work and then forget about later, but actually a podcast episode that gives you wisdom that could be life-changing, frankly, you know, like what is that one thing for you? I invite you to contemplate that and choose your next best action. Okay. That's all for today. I'm so excited to talk to you next week. Can't wait. Take care.